Welcome, everybody, to another installment of Stoli Dolly Scaries. My name is John Ritchie Jr. And my name is Corinne Hayes. And today we'll be watching... Dun, dun, dun. I know what you did last summer. If you're going to bury the truth, make sure it stays buried. Ooh, that's saucy. <laughs> I like that one. The themed cocktail for today's movie is going to be the Billy Blue Berry Smash. You can find all of the details and the recipe on our Instagram page or check out our YouTube page for the full video on how to make it. All right. All right. So what you did last summer. Released in theaters October 17th, 1997. Starring the ultimate 90s cast. We got Jennifer Love Hewitt. We got Freddie Prince. We got Sarah Michelle Geller, Miss Buffy herself, and Orion Felipe. It the crowd goes wild. <laughs> <laughs> it is a who's who of top-notch 90s stars, baby. And we are here for it. I'm definitely here for it. I <laughs> want to see all these fuckers get killed. <laughs> And we do. <laughs> it starts off with a top-notch 90s grunge version of Summer Breeze. A really great version of that song. So we get that great song and then drone shot. We're in the water, we're over the cliffs and we land on this very good looking boy with a butt chin, looking at a medallion. He's looking very introspective. Um, he's thinking. Cut to 4th of July. Fireworks are going off in Southport. Got the music going. And we cut to a pageant, the ultimate American pastime. We have Miss Sarah Michelle Geller, who is competing for, what's the title she's competing for? It is, um, it's a croaker queen <laughs> finalists competition. I believe I didn't remember that. I actually really can't believe I didn't remember that. Um, so she is competing and it cuts to all of her friends that are for some reason in the rafters. <laughs> There's a balcony like watching her finalist performance. As all your friends should do for you, show up for you. They absolutely should. Should they be sitting in the storage area? I don't know, but they are watching her and Freddie Prince makes a really icky comment. I had no idea her breasts were so <laughs> Unnecessary, FPJ. Then they ask Helen, what are they, what's the question that they ask her? It's like, how will you contribute or something? Yeah? Yeah, it's essentially like, you know, every beauty pageant, you know, like, what are you going to do to help the community? Yes. But her response. Iconic. She's like, at the end of the summer, I plan to pursue an acting career and to entertain the world through artistic expression. God, we're so lucky to have her. Thank goodness somebody's finally done that. 
And, and you know what? ultimately, she, in her career, she did. She gave us a lot of artistic expression as an actress. How meta. Buffy. Scooby. <laughs> just, just to name a few. <laughs> the, I could go on and on. Mm-hmm. She wins. Of course she wins. You know? But also... All the other contestants look about 15 years older than her. Did you notice? You know what? I didn't notice what they look like. I was just like, everyone's in a bathing suit and... Everyone's in the bathing suit and obviously she's going to win. So she wins. Everybody's clapping. She's the star of the show. They cut to a party, right, that everybody's at. Like it's not even for the it's like a Fourth of July party. It's packed. They're celebrating. We get to meet her sister for the first time, who's a huge dick. She is the dick of the movie. She's so mean, always just, just bitter, like resentful, stamped on her forehead. I don't know why, but she's really got it out for Helen. Not a fan. I just want to add that <laughs> Helen's sister uh, is Elsa. Elsa is the name of the of mm-hmm. her character, who is played by Bridget Wilson Sampras, who at the time she was not a Sampras, but she did marry Pete Sampras, who was a, a famous tennis player. And the only reason why I knew her, and when I was looking up her uh, IMDb, like apparently everyone in the Real Housewives of Orange County right now is looking at IMDb's. Um, she played... Uh, Sonia in the first Mortal Kombat movie. What was her other big role? When I was watching, I was like, she looks so familiar besides obviously Mortal Kombat, which is her biggest role, but she was in Whoa. something else. Oh, 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 oh. She was in Billy Madison. Yes. Billy Madison. That's, I just watched that. That's definitely what it is. Okay. She was, she was in the wedding singer or the wedding planner. Sorry. Yes. Good. That's um, it. Cause I, what was her name in um, Mrs. Miss Vaughn? Yeah. Madison? Yeah. <laughs> but you're right. They they definitely have they definitely have a sisterly energy that is like annoyed with each other. They get a little interaction. She asks if she needs a ride home. Helen says, like, No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get a ride with friends. And she says something like She asked if she's getting sauteed tonight. And when I heard that, I was like, this is a new I iconic word for drunk. We're getting not sauced. We're getting sauteed tonight, which I love that. But then I'm thinking, is that mean like you're getting sexed down tonight? So now, you know what? I'm taking it for both and I'm claiming it. (laughs) And tonight I'm getting sauteed, baby. (laughs) Regardless, they don't like each other. And uh, that's very clear. Uh, so they're at this party. They're having a good time. Helen has the biggest crown I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the crown that she wears is giving Teresa Judice energy, who is a real housewife. I know she wore a crown at her wedding and her hair was 10 feet tall, like Marge Simpson. And I will just say that the people who listen should know Teresa Judice. And if you don't, do your research. Well said. We're so lucky to have you, Johnny. Uh, <laughs> uh, so she walks in with her very high crown. 
And Julie, Jennifer Love Hewitt's character, is pulled aside by a young boy named Max, who is clearly in love with her. And he asks if she wants to do a shot with him. And she's like, oh, you know, you know, it makes me barf. You know, I just, oh, I can't. And he's like, well, he, we got to we gotta spend time together. You know, we've been friends for forever. He's very sad. And in the midst of that, <laughs> we meet Ryan. Well, we've already met Ryan Felipe. Ryan Felipe's character comes in. Uh, Barry, who looks about the least like a Barry as anybody I've ever met. They should have renamed his character. Um, regardless. Barry comes in, rudely takes the shot off of Max and takes it and makes a really drunken to adolescent decadence. You couldn't hate him more. He takes a shot and Max is kind of like giggling in the background and Barry like pushes him and they get into a little tete-a-tete. I have a, a little fun fact. Um <laughs> Reese Witherspoon had initially auditioned um, for a role in this film, but changed her mind and backed out of the project. And she did, however, recommend her then boyfriend, which was Ryan Philippi. Is it Philippi? Philippe? Listen. Felipe? I've always said Felipe. You know what? Ryan. <laughs> she recommended him, who wound up being cast as Barry. I wonder why she backed out. Too edgy for her? You never know. I mean, like, what was Reese doing at this point in time? Did she do fear yet? Did she, are we coming well, off? She had to have done Cruel Intentions because that's how she met Ryan, right? Mm. Mm. Maybe she didn't want to do a slasher. Either way, Ryan needed something and got it. He, she suggested that he go for it. I feel like and this was like his biggest movie besides Cruel Intentions. I can't think of another thing that dude's been in. Can you? Oh, there's got to be more. Um, he was in Igby Goes Down. What else was he in? That's my point. Exactly. You've proven it. He was just hot for a 90s kid. You know, like, well, of course. He, he was like, you know, the Rat Pack and then the, the 80, what were the 80s kids called? The Brat Pack. The Brat Pack. In <laughs> the 90s, you had just the rats and um, all the rats were hot. They were very oh, wow. hot. He is very good looking in this movie. Very revved up. Uh, so he pushes Max, makes him feel like a piece of shit. They get into a little tete-a-tete. And then, like, Helen, his girlfriend, comes over and is like, it's Bear, it's okay, Bear. You want to blah, blah, blah. I don't know. She sweet talks him. So they all leave because things are getting hot. And they go to a bonfire on the beach, just the four of them. Yippee. I could say a lot of different things. I mean, we're getting just like pure toxic male um, behavior, like starting starting fights and like, and also what we're getting is Julie as, I mean, Jennifer Love Hewitt as Julie um, trying to be nice. Like in, I mean, her character is nice. She's trying to say like, you know, not today. And, and Max is, is kind of pushing it a little bit like, yeah, we have to get together before you leave for the, you know, college. And you could have a different opinion. I see Max as, as in this moment specifically, because he starts to show some toxic shit later. It's he's giving boy next door, like, oh, I just want to like, you know, see you before you go. And it's like set in this 
kinder way until you know the people start pushing him out of the way and just like get lost loser and then it's like you know as an audience i've always felt for like the person who's like always getting shit on and whatnot but um i do know the actor who is johnny galecki who plays max is what who i know well i know him from roseanne roseanne yeah because when I saw his movie, I was like, yes. So yeah. I'm glad we're on the same page there because he's in a lot of other things. But um, well, I know everyone knows him from Big Bang Theory, um, <laughs> but I, I, I'm not into that show. But I know he's from something else. It's some, like a movie. Why is it escaping me? But I know his big thing was Roseanne. Yeah. Um, I mean, like his typical look, too, is definitely. Christmas mid- Vacation. Oh. Christmas Vacation. That's and- it. And literally, yeah. I had that in my next, like, little, just a, a tidbit <laughs> about Jennifer Love Hewitt suggesting him for the role of Max because they had already met after being neighbors while he was filming Christmas Vacation. What? That's really interesting. I just love the camaraderie we have here. Everybody, you know, it's not for me. I recommend this person or, you know, thinking of each other. I, I enjoy that. And so Julie is is showing kindness. She's she's trying to show final girl energy. Um, and then they're like, let's go drunk driving, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate fun. Yeah. <laughs> let's go down this, this winding highway that is not shot in North Carolina. Where was that shot? Um they are supposed to be in Southport, North Carolina. But this first scene is shot in California. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know what, though? I'm one of the one of the glebes that they were thinking of that didn't think anything of it. Like, oh, North Carolina water. But it makes sense because that highway is like a very coastal California highway. Like, very windy. You don't see anything like that in North Carolina. Anyway. Uh, so they go to a bonfire on the beach, which does sound fun. And they're all sitting there drinking some brewskis, having some fun. And Freddie Prince starts Ray. Freddie Prince character. No, Freddie Prince Jr. Freddie Prince Jr.'s character, Ray. They all have three names. I just want to point that out. We have Jennifer Love Hugh. We have Sarah Michelle Gellar, Freddie Prince Jr. Fuck y'all for being extra. Ryan Felipe. It's the only one we can count on, and we don't even know if we're saying his name right. Whatever. They are having a bonfire on the beach, and Ray (laughs) starts telling a spooky story about a man with a hook. And as he's telling it, everyone's interrupting him like, that's not how the story goes. Actually, it's this. And he gets a little fucking weird. And it's like, you're all wrong. It's, no, this is actually how it is. <laughs> and Ryan Felipe is like, no, man, none of us are wrong. It's a story. And he's like, no, it actually happened. And he gets, he's just a little weird about it. And that's your first inkling, like, maybe we shouldn't trust this guy. <laughs> um, I'm living for your impersonations. They are spot <laughs> on. I'm dead serious. Thank you. Um, This little beach bonfire and they're going back and forth. It's giving, are you afraid of the dark? So much. It 
if if one of them pulled out a fucking sandbag and threw some shit on the fire, I would have believed that this was an episode on Nickelodeon. Um, it's mm-hmm. it's truly just you know stupid shit, but also like they're fucking seniors in high school. Like, what do you expect? We were stupid then too. I'm living. For, I'm living for the story uh, they're all trying to tell of something different. Um, it's really just you know minor details of the story, but you're right. Ray does say that, or Julie, whoever. It mm-hmm. is a fictional story talking about the dangers of premarital sex. Mm-hmm. I love. It, it seems like this is just like it's always the punch to something right after, because yeah. then it's like. Oh, so the, now we're going to have premarital sex. So let's get right into it. You know, like, it's an urban legend. <laughs> Freddie's character, Ray, is a fucking dork. I don't disagree with you, man. Um, I, he, I feel creepy, though. There is, a, like, a creepy essence to him in this movie. And that is so purposeful, I think, because they're trying to make you think, like, is he? Is he like, does he have something to do with this? Like, you're always kind of questioning. I've seen this movie about 8 million times. And even I was like, does he have something to do with it? There's just something you don't really trust about his character fully. And whatever, he's telling this story. And, you know, he's like, no, it's real. And they all like laugh, whatever. So then Helen and Barry go off and they're hooking up. And then, you know, Julie and Ray are hooking up. They they separate. And this is kind of where we get an inclination of what their um, plans are for after high school. Like Helen is talking about how she's going to be an actress and Barry's going to, you know, play football at college. And then he's going to be on the Steelers. No way. Oh, the Cowboys. And he's going to be an alcoholic and they're going to have kid. Uh, whatever the fuck. <laughs> and then... <laughs> She she literally says, and then you're going to go to rehab, and then we're going to get through that, and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Beautiful. Dream. Buffy. The American dream. Buffy. (laughs) And then we cut to the more innocent couple, Julie and Ray, and they're talking about how he's he's going to NYU. Right. That's his deal. He's going to go to New York and he's going to be, you know, serious and he's going to be in coffee shops and he's going to fall in love with some edgy chick. And Julie is going to Boston. And how can they make this work? And whatever. So then they end up having sex for the first time. Dorks. Oh, my total God. losers, total losers, um, whatever. So they're both having their separate fun. They come together. And all of a sudden, Barry is belligerent. I don't know when that happened. He was totally cool during that scary story. (laughs) He was cool as a cucumber. He was completely, almost nearly sober. And then they're walking back to the car and he is gone. He can barely walk. Helen's holding him up. And uh, Julie and Ray come over and Helen, you know, tosses him Barry's keys and there's a newbie drives my car. And Helen's like, come on, let's sit in the back. I'll let you do things to me. <laughs> Completely unnecessary and gross. Ray grabs the keys. They're driving along the 
no, fictional coastal highway in North Carolina. And Helen and Barry are hooking up in the back. Barry complains about the music being too, like, low-key, and he wants to be revved up because he's feeling good. So he reaches up, and he changes the radio station, and he blasts it to some rock music, and he stands up so his top half is out of the sunroof like we all wanted to do one day outside of a limo. He's doing it. He's living the dream. He's got a bottle of Jack in his hand. Is it Jack? He's got, like, some bottle of liquor. And he is drinking and woo, woo. And then as he's doing that, somebody is crossing the road. Ray hits them. Somehow, I don't know how, Barry isn't thrown from the car. I don't know how, but he wasn't. He is fully intact. The car spins. Everybody freaks the fuck out. And comes to a stop and they think that they've hit like a dog or something like an animal. The, the conversation in the car is um, it's very telling of their characters. And also let's remember, I got to keep going back to these are, you know, seniors in high school. Mm -hmm. So um, we're all there once. And I feel like um, the things that they say are very dumb. However, <laughs> however, um, mm -hmm. we were dumb at one point. So like, we can all imagine ourselves being like too drunk to drive a, a, a prom queen or like somebody who just won a contest. The dynamics between all of them seem very believable. They did a really good job of like picking roles that were like stereotypes, right? Like we have like the beauty queen, like girl who wants the attention with the blonde hair and the, you know, whatever. And then we have the like bad boy. And then we have, who I don't know what Ray's supposed to be, if I'm being perfectly honest. Geeky? A good looking? Ray, Ray is probably like um, max midway through high school. And then has a glow up and is like, oh, I could actually like be on the football team. So he's still got like stupid dork mentality, mm -hmm. but um, it has the hair and has, you know, like a shaven baby face. So he's showing up differently now. Mm. Like, yes. uh, but like the confidence level, you could tell he's probably like, oh, am I like hot or... <laughs> okay like very accurate very accurate and then we have our resident good girl julie boring so <laughs> boring and studious that's a lot of big words but mm -hmm. she is yeah. the only one who like you know 20 years later is like oh you're actually thinking about like problem solving which is mm -hmm. like thank you for you know because the entire audience I mean, if I saw this when I was 40, I would be yelling at the screen. But because I saw this when I was 10, <laughs> I, was, I was like, oh, I'm going to be driving one day. Absolutely. Absolutely. These are real problems teens have to deal with today. So they hit something. They don't know what. They're freaked out. And they're so worried about the car. Barry's being a dick. They get out, there's blood, they're looking for the animal, and oh no, they see a boot, and they know they have hit a person. 
They're freaking out. They walk further down the road, and there's a man. Ray goes up to check for his pulse. And he says, I think he's dead. And, oh, no, everybody's losing their mind. They're going to jail. Their futures could be up in smokes. What are we going to do? They're trying to come up with a plan. Barry wants to leave. Act like it never happened. Nobody would ever know. Julie wants to go to the police. She's like, look, parts of him are on the car. They'll trace it back to us, you fucking idiot. So what they decide to do instead Instead of just double-checking to make sure he's actually dead, what they decide to do is dump his body in the bay. You know, the crabs will take him out to sea. Nobody will ever, you know, find him. And by the time he washes up to shore, DNA will be gone, and they'll be in the clear, enjoying college. So, plan. As they come up with this plan, somebody's coming down the road. Panic. They pick up the body and take it over to the other side of the guardrail so it's kind of hidden from whoever has just driven up. Barry acts like he's throwing up, and Julie runs over to the car. And guess who it is? Our favorite pal, Max, who she just wouldn't take a shot with, the bitch. And he's really annoying in this scene. Whoa, looks like it's not a new car anymore. Daddy's going to be pissed. He's being like... Granted, Barry just, you know, pushed him at the party, embarrassed the hell out of him, whatever. But Max is being very unlikable in this moment. He's being just like, just like the others. (laughs) You know, let Mm -hmm. me, let me just say this, that Mm -hmm. the decision making in this scene is truly unsettling. Um, (laughs) It. It really is unfathomable that um, they would come to this choice. Very. Of all the decisions that could have been made in that moment, um, that was weird on their part. I... <laughs> anyway, so uh, Max pulls up. Julie runs over to talk to him and 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 is like, oh, you know, Barry, you know, had too much to drink. And he comments on the car being banged up. And she's like, yeah, yeah I don't drink and drive. <laughs> and then Ray comes over and he's like, what can we do for you, Max? And Max says, you can wipe that my shit don't stink grin off your face. And Ray says, okay, Max, we'll do. What made you think that that was... <laughs> to say in that moment i'm sure he was thinking let's just get him down the road but that made max's like antennas sit up like what like who you wouldn't typically say that and so they get rid of max he rolls on down the road he kind of believes their story and they move through with their brilliant plan they put the old body in the trunk and they go down to the, the bay I don't know if it's the bay or the ocean, but they go to some dock. They go to a body of water to dump this bad boy. Now, as they're about to dump him, they got him on the dock. Ray and Barry have carried him down this entire way, mind you. And they're at the final enchilada. They're about to roll this bad boy into the water. And all of a sudden, <laughs> Ray gets cold feet. I don't think I can do it, Bear. And- <laughs> Dude! Commit 
to your decisions. You are halfway. Let, let's, you know, he can't do it. He, he just can't dump the body in the water. He's decided in this moment to have a conscience. So Helen finally steps up. She does something here. And she's like, oh, you know, I'll do it. They go to lift him. The dude, <laughs> the dude wakes up and takes Helen's crown off of her head. How dare he? And they panic and push him into the water with the crown <laughs> still in hand. And Helen's like, no, my crown. And Barry is like, ah! and he <laughs> makes a very distinct movement. He is like, you got to be fucking kidding me. And he jumps in the water after him. And I don't think I realized just how scary that was of him to do because I don't know if every other time I watched this or maybe I just didn't realize, I kind of thought it was like rigor mortar or something that he like, like it got caught on her crown. Like, I don't think I remembered him wake, like literally becoming alive and grabbing it. And why didn't they say, oh, you're alive? Let's get you some help. You don't think so? Um... Wow. You don't think that what, what you thought they were just too deep in the decision? I don't even know where to begin on this mm. scene because we're in high school. We committed to dumping a body. Okay. <laughs> we're down to the dock. People are having cold feet. Um, Helen steps up. Everything you said. The guy fucking wakes up. Bloody ass mess. And grabs her. Right? Grabs her head, gets the crown, whatever. This fucker decides to dive into the water to go retrieve her crown because it's like, I'm her boyfriend. I got to do, I got to make like everything right. In this heroic moment for Barry to go underneath the water and find the dude under there still holding the crown and wakes up underneath the water scares the shit out of him. He gets the crown in the scuffle, comes up, basically says, I got your crown, and then is like, uh, we're making a pact right now to never talk about this again. I think he jumps in to get her crown because he doesn't, if they find the body later, he's going to have the evidence. Like, he's going to have this crown. Like, they're going to come back to her because they, they give the same crown every year. It's not like a new crown. So she was going to, she'd have to go back and be like, oh, I, don't, I lost it. So regardless, they would place evidence and then they would question why she doesn't have the crown. So I think that's why he jumps in. You know but, what? I'm, I'm very glad to hear your perspective because I never I never thought about that. I didn't think about the evidence piece of it. Um, yeah, I just thought he was like doing his girlfriend a solid. And like, I think he's you know, such a selfish shit. I don't think he would have done that for her. They go through this ordeal. Uh, Barry jumps in. He gets the crown back. They're walking back. As you said, they, he, let's make a pact. Never talk about it ever again. And Helen and Ray agree pretty quickly. But Julie, Julie says yes, but she doesn't say yes. Good enough for Barry. Not enough. Not enough. She's, she's just like, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. And then he's like, no, I need you to sweat. Like, I need to make sure that you're never going to speak of this again until the day we die. Um, and, and she, he pushes her against the car and is like, a little bit extra. Ray doesn't do a goddamn thing. 
bitch. <laughs> Whatever. She swears. She, okay, Barry, I swear. Whatever. That's it. That's the end of it. They make this pact. Psh, cut to one year later. We see Julie at college. She looks fucking awful. She needs to wash her hair, her bangs. Not washing your hair and bangs don't mix, man. Her eyes are sunken in. She is not the vivacious beauty we saw just moments ago. She's having a hard time. She's talking to her college roommate. She's like, you know, you're going to go home. You're going to have a good summer. You're going to get, you know, get a tan on that pasty ass. <laughs> she goes home. She's been at college for a full year. She goes home. She only has two duffels. That's not important. And I'll probably cut it out. But like, she only has two duffels and a hat and some overalls. This, this terrible fucking hat that she showed up in. My God, how dreadful. It's not even, it's not a bucket hat. It is just a, you know. A it's a flop. And it's, every a flop. <laughs> it's not it, J-Love. It's not the look. So she rolls home with her two duffels, traveling light. <laughs> and she's having dinner with her mom and... She's very, very, she's depressed. She's very lackluster. She's barely saying anything. She's, you know, scooting her fish around the plate. And her mom said, what, what happened to my beautiful daughter? What happened? You know, she's having a hard time. Her grades are bad. She's talking to her mom about it. And um, then her mom's like, you got some mail. She has a letter that has no return address. She opens it. And it says, I know what you did last summer, bitch. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. She loses it. I, I think rightfully so. I think she thought she got away with it. And she was internalizing the uh, havoc that it caused on her life. And um, somebody else knows. And she's pretty panicked about it. We get a beautiful close-up of her and her really greasy bangs. Um, Julie is not doing well. She looks like garbage. She <laughs> looks like a corpse. Her mom asks if she's on drugs, and I laughed in this moment. Um, the writer of this film is the same as Scream, Kevin Williamson. That makes uh, too much sense. I totally so, Yeah. So he... Um, he actually wrote this before Scream, but he couldn't sell it because nobody wanted to do anything with it. And then Scream happened and he got very big. It did an amazing job. And then almost immediately after Scream, they were like, oh, we'll sign up for I Know What You Did Last Summer. The, you know, they had like, I forget what it was, like a $12 million budget. It wound up doing 125 at the, the box office. It was number one. Um, it beat like the devil's advocate or something in sales. Um, and they produced it rather quickly, like after that. So, but they were on board and I wonder if the writing, not that that has anything to do with the acting, but I did feel in these moments and I noticed it with, um, Nev Campbell's, uh, character in Scream that they do this thing where they like, you know, something 
scary happens and they like have a little bit of tears and then they do a pause and then they like act confused. It is so, it's very comical to me and I don't know how to describe it. It's kind of like soap opera-ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can totally see that. Yeah, for sure. This could be an episode of Dawson's Creek. Absolutely. And, and I kind of love that. And I also kind of am like, but I wouldn't act that way. So it's a little unbelievable. <laughs> like mm. but wait you saw mm. the little run up the stairs she did didn't you now that we're talking about these runs did she do a run up the stairs quick i noticed because i think my next point was just gonna be she goes to helen like she goes try to find helen yeah no she knows that there is uh no return address and she shits her pants and she says oh my god and her little quick feet go right up those stairs. Uh, the next day, puts on a pair of overalls, doesn't wash her hair. She goes to try to find Helen to tell her that she has just received this note and somebody knows what they did. Helen is in New York being an actress. So she goes to see uh, <laughs> she goes to see Helen's very friendly sister Elsa at their family's department store. Shivers? Shivers. She is talking to Elsa and she says, hey, I don't have Helen's New York number. Um, Can you give it to me? Fact check, Julie. Helen's right over there. I shouldn't say that. She she alludes. She's sassy for, again, no motherfucking reason. And basically says, Helen didn't move to New York. She's right over there. She's working in women's perfume. And she looks over and Helen is, she's got like a bunch of perfume in her hands and she's barely carrying them. And she, you know, they fall over the counter. She's clearly, it's their way of, she's sad and she's in the sad place instead of an actress in New York. So Julie goes over to her and Helen is sad too. Helen doesn't look like shit though. Helen looks pretty damn good. And they're just kind of shooting the breeze like no it didn't really work out in new york and julie drops the bomb that she got this note and this note alluding to somebody saying that they know what they did last summer and helen says how we were so careful the fuck (laughs) we were the least careful these kids. Hmm? Do you have anything to add? <laughs> the only thing I will add is that, you know, because Elsa in this moment is really mm-hmm. like a little bit suspicious and probably rightfully so, because if uh, Helen isn't, I mean, like if Helen isn't doing well, you know, mm-hmm. she, college didn't work out. What is, you know, like it didn't really work out for Julie either. So like, I think that she's smart enough to know that something's up and especially I would give it a little bit to like a big sister energy. Um, But she's definitely suspecting something as an audience. It also kind of leaves Elsa as a suspect, you know, because now we're starting to get into the, like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. A little bit kind of like the book in its original intention 
is to be like a murder mystery mm -hmm. and they like diverted so hard from the books uh uh situation Have i haven't read the book but i did read about that and some of the facts that it was originally a book and they took like pieces of it to make this film and i know that the author definitely wasn't happy what they did with it and like made it a slasher um however uh this is where we're at so this moment to me and after the note and after everything it does sort of give like a so who the fuck is this and we're trying yeah. to figure it out too and could it be elsa why would it be elsa you know like there's so many questions but there is a scene where she's just like eyeing over to them and you're like maybe she has something to do with it maybe she saw them put a body I mean, in the wall up on, you're right i definitely noticed that she does look over and like but I didn't think anything of it and I never thought that, but that's a good point to make because she's so unlikable and that would be just like her. Um, she shows her the note. Helen says, we need to take it to Barry. So they go see Barry. He's a prick. He immediately dismisses it. Like, Ooh, I know you did last summer. Like he thinks nothing of it. He's not the least bit concerned. I love when both of them come up to his house and he just like casually comes on the top balcony and is just like, <laughs> what are you two doing here? And then eventually says like, you two look like shit run over twice, <laughs> which is a beautiful <laughs> 90s statement that we all have said, but it's, it feels different coming from Barry's character. I never said that. <laughs> 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 not for nothing barry's got a nice spot um but when push comes to shove julie is brazen now she is finally just like yeah we're gonna talk about the murder that we yeah. fucking did and um we do hear about like julie did some research and found out that the guy's name was david egan and that they labeled it as an accidental drowning. And so now the scent is being thrown off um, in a sense that we know that the guy that they threw into the water is dead, or so we think. Um, and again, it's still playing into that like murder mystery type feeling. Um, yeah. Then they're, you know, they're trying to figure out like what to do next. And Barry says, like, Max. Max is the only one that saw us that night. And we got to go talk to Max. So now we're just like, I love this, like, little thing. I do want to say that um, Helen, her fashion, even in the department store with the black headband, a little poof, and also, in the 90s, did they fucking just throw every accessory at the damn wall? They were just like earrings and choker and necklace and, you know, everything is on her. Um, they show up to Barry's house and she's outside just smoking a cig with her black headband. She's got the arm, the like silver jewelry around the arm, hot. The little button down, the little white button down with the arms cut off. Fuck. Yeah. 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 She's doing the most, but it looks good on her. Mm. It's Buffy. Mm. Buffy. Uh, so he thinks it's Max. 
um, instead of really thinking about it, <laughs> they just decide to go down and talk to Max. He says he's going to talk to Max. And what he actually does is he they find him on his little boat and he is a dick. He pushes him around. He threatens him. He says, you know, like, I know it was you. And if you do it again, I'll kill you. And he is a dick, whatever. He's really over the top for somebody who's not sure about anything. Um, he sends yeah. a message, you know, but stupidly. He does send a message. That's a good way of putting it. Um, he leaves his message, does his whole thing with Max, and he leaves. And as they're leaving, they run into Ray. You find out he never went to college. He um, stayed in Southport working on a boat like his old man that he never knew. Right? Does that come out? So he, he stayed in Southport. He's working on a boat. He never went to college. Um, Maybe we didn't write a lot of notes for Ray in this scene because he's boring <laughs> AF. You know, like he's, yeah. he's, he's trying to like, you know, I think what's also interesting, which we should talk about is that both of them are broken up. So it took one year, you know, everybody goes to college, everybody, you know, the, the relationship didn't stand the test of time. Um, Julie and Ray broke up, Helen and Barry broke up. Um, and probably for the best, but also Ray is getting those like, Oh, I missed last summer. I loved when we were together and he's trying to play the like, let's fucking get it in again. And Julie is, <laughs> Julie is basically just like, hi. And also, um, she's the only one responsible for her own actions She's the only one taking responsibility, like saying, you know, I got this letter. I don't know what's happening. Somebody knows. And this isn't the time or place for us to get back together. This is yeah. like, um, you're doing you, I'm doing me. And we need to figure this out. And then followed by another run off the dock moment. <laughs> Where is she running to? She just has to get away from She's Ray and his boringness. I can't wait to talk about this next scene. This is the first uh, time we get to see the um, killer. Poor Max. I do feel really bad for Max here. He didn't. He didn't do anything. You know what I mean? Like everybody else who dies had something to do with this plot, or has somehow gotten in the way of him killing the people that he needs to kill. Max is just. The sad little man, and um, he's working with some crabs, and uh, he puts the meat hook down, and um, they close in on it, and you know that meat hook's gonna be important. And he comes back around, and the meat hook is gone. And quick as like, what's something that's quick? Quick as night, quick as fire. Very quickly, this man just comes up and hooks this man, like, in the face. Like, very quickly, very brutally fast, Max is gone. Just like that. He did nothing to deserve it other than being a little sad. Mm -hmm. I, this first kill is fire, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> I love when horror movies show, and I don't need to see, like, you know five seconds of you like tearing somebody's flesh off, but like it was done very well. 
in the yeah. sense that, you know, it was a one and done and just like the, you know, and everything felt believable. Like he went limp and then just like pulled him across the counter and that was it. And that's all we needed to see. Um, like it, like, and he walks up to him so quickly. Like, it's not like a slow, like he just, boop, 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 boop. like it, it, justice for Max though. I, he, I don't know why he had to die. I didn't particularly like him, but what this does is eliminate Max as a, as suspect. a suspect. True. I never even for a second thought it was him. If I'm no. being honest, he didn't have it in him. Um, so the next scene is old bear, not, not bothered at all. He's going to the gym. He's working on, I'm working on me. I'm worried about me. He is the only one there. Um, he's working out. He's having a good time. He goes back to his locker after his workout, and there's a Polaroid of his car, like kind of sticking out of his uh, locker. And on the Polaroid are the words, I know. Uh, he kind of is like, what? So he goes and he checks out the locker room to try to just see if anybody else is in there. He goes out and talks to the security security receptionist, whatever that guy, the owner, whoever it is, he goes out and talks to him. He's like, is anybody else here? And he says, no, it's just you and me. So he goes back to his locker and his jacket's stolen. And he realizes his keys are in his jacket. So he runs out and... I find this scene really difficult to watch for me only because of scary movie. And I feel like <laughs> a scary movie really um, made uh, a very comedic, you know, that whole, that whole movie is comedy. Um, and I literally like side by side, see the, the shots in my head of, how funny this was in that movie. And so it's hard for me to take it seriously. A little <laughs> but what I will say, you know, I, I feel like Barry is, especially Ryan really as this character, uh, he's giving the body. He's giving nineties um, hot, everything, everything about it. Uh, you know, he could have been Justin Timberlake in in sync at this time for all we know um he's working out he's do he's taking his shirt off he's sweated up he's oiled up he's in just a towel like can we get a, a just a towel drop over here <laughs> maybe you know like he's wearing like dog tags or something like that was a 90s thing it was wasn't a very it? 90s thing oh my god like, yeah yeah. Is that? Okay. So, so yes, he's showering. Like the whole vibe is there. We're, yeah. we're clearly invested. We're watching who gives a fuck what happens to him. We're just watching his 12 pack abs uh, on the screen. So he comes out of this gym. Somebody's stealing his car. They take off down this dirt road. He's running after the car and then it stops and turns around and starts to chase after him. Now, you know, this is a scene in every horror movie where the people, as an audience, I'm yelling at the screen. I'm like, can you just not run in a straight line? It's a fucking car. Can you just like divert to a different, can you go left or right? That's all I'm asking for. And instead 
he decides to run straight, which we love that. Um, and he stops, yes, in front of a building, in front of a shack. It's like a shed type situation. There's a dock behind it. The car runs over him. He flies up on the hood and then gets like projected through the shed. And so there's boards everywhere. He's obviously hurt and whatever. And honestly, this is where I personally want to see Barry in all caps, helpless because of what his character, what his character has portrayed up until this point is male bravado. And I think this is where I want to see him fucking suffering and uh, on his back, can't do anything. And he's screaming for somebody to help him. But then this fisherman in the in the rain slicker or this fisherman slicker, whatever you want to call it, just stands over him. This is the first shot that we do see of the killer, like in full attire. And a little tidbit about this is that Kevin Williamson's father, so the writer's father, hmm. um, was a fisherman. And that's how he got this, like he he saw his dad growing up wearing this thing mm -hmm. and, and made it into a horror outfit. That's intriguing. I could totally see that because if you wear it the right way, you are quite anonymous. Um, I didn't realize that that was such a thing, but you really don't have any idea who this man is because he's wearing his thing so low. So it is, um, it is a good, uh, I'm looking for Disguise. Oh my God, that's going to kill me. <laughs> but also, why is Barry not killed in this scene? I don't know. I, so I think the killer really gets off on the fear, the fear aspect of it. That they're, you know, that's why he's sending these little notes. He could have just killed Julie. You know, he could have just killed Barry in the locker room, but he wants them to be afraid. He wants them to be looking over their shoulders. I think he gets off on that. I think that's part of the joy for him miraculously barry isn't killed does not get the hook the next scene is him in the hospital julie and helen and ray are all visiting him and right away barry accuses ray of being the killer like because he has a slicker and he's a fisherman yeah and they have a like a tete-a-tete you know, swing their dicks around and they come to agree like, okay, so it's not you. <laughs> what, are, what are we going to do? Um, and Julie says, hold on. Oh, God, these fucking idiots. So what they decide to do is <laughs> they, they're like, well, this guy who has been, you know, haunting us and sending letters and whatever, he hasn't gone to the cops yet. So Maybe we can find him and reason with him. Brilliant plan. So the girls decide they're going to do some research and try to find some relatives of David Egan to try to get a connection to him. So they're doing some research and they find out that David Egan, the man that they think they killed that night, has a sister, Missy. So they decide to go to visit Missy and try to not directly tell her what's happening, but just try to get some info out of her. Um, so Helen and Julie drive out there, 
Fun fact. Missy Egan's house is the same house from The Conjuring. Did you know that? I did not know that. Did you know that? <laughs> yeah. Fun fact. Very spooky. It's a lot more spooky in The Conjuring than in this movie. But so they pull up and they come up with the story that they'll knock on her door and ask to use her phone and say, you know, that their car stalled and they just need to use her phone to call AAA. Let's not forget the fact that these two bitches went up to some random house in the woods, knocked on the door. Uh, nobody answered. I love how Helen is just like, oh, well, we tried. And then Julie in her brazen self now just goes, walks around the house and starts looking in the window, like trying to get up on some stuff. And then Anne Heche, Wow. I was, well, I guess 20 years later in a rewatch, I'm surprised to see her. But at the time, I didn't know who she was. She's gone now, right? She passed away. She did. Rest in power. (laughs) Um, So, yes, Missy, her character. I mean, I would have done the same. I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing snooping around my house? And then they're like, "Uh, what? Um, our car broke down. Um, do you have a phone we could use? So they get in the house and, um, and he's like, what's your Missy? Missy points out, you know, this phone right in there. And Jay love is like, Stephanie, why don't you call triple a? Like, yeah. <laughs> they're very overt about it. In the meantime, Julie is trying to, you know, do some detective work and says like, oh, well, your name sounds familiar. Did did you have a sibling something? And she says, oh, you know, my brother David. Um, I, I think Missy Rake right away says like, oh, but but he's gone now. He passed away. Passed away um, last July. Last July. Oh, last July when they ran over somebody. That makes sense. Um, she asks if she lives alone. Um, and then Missy says, like, a guy came by to pay his respects um, at the funeral and that he was cute and smart, um, but that it hurt him to be around Missy because I guess that they had developed this sort of bond. And um, Julie was like, oh, well, do you remember his name? And she says, Billy Blue. The fakest fucking fake name. Who? Well, that would be a perfect name. Billy Blue. Billy Blue sounds like a porn name. Porn name. Yeah. And a good one. But I, I don't remember. So she brings up Billy Blue. Um, then, I don't know, suddenly Julie feels guilty and she feels bad. And she's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Even though Missy at this point is like, you know, I'll make some tea. You know, I don't get I don't get people around here much, whatever. Um, and Julie feels all bad. She's like, um, you know, we're just going to go out and we're going to wait for, for AAA. Bye. She, she lives in a very awkward manner. And um, they're sitting in the car. And she's talking to Helen and she's talking about how bad she feels. You know, Helen, we killed somebody. They're just talking about the whole situation. And we get perhaps, I think, the biggest jump scare of the entire movie. Why? Missy comes 
<laughs> like on fire up to this window and says, what did, what did they leave? That's cigarettes? I think it's cigarettes. But who smokes? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Missy was coming for me. She, very intense. Hey, you left your cigarettes. <laughs> it was so over the top. Her, um, I mean, her character is so uh, beautifully done. It's a little bit off and a little bit like interesting, but also weird. And I think that that scene she bangs on the car window is it is a, a huge jump scare because we're not expecting it. You know, like they're talking with each other saying like, um, you know, we ruined the lives of everyone he knew. And they're like feeling this remorse and, and we're sinking into that conversation and then bang right off the window. Like she is there. So um, I think it's, it's special in that right that we are watching a horror film and we should have some jump scares. And this is a good one. Um, it's gratifying. It's tasty. Unexpected, to say the least. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in to part one of I Know What You Did Last Summer. Please join us on August 6th for part two. Until then, stay away from meat hooks. Bye.